And a good morning to you. Welcome to the show. The Back Nine Boys Golf Show is brought to you by Mizuno Golf. Nothing feels like Mizuno. By Palms. Enjoy the benefits of being a member at cpalms.com. By RSM, proud sponsor of the RSM Classic, giving back to our community. By Club Car, the ultimate utility and personal vehicle. And by Bridgestone Golf, get fitted for the new Tour B ball. On the show today, we're going to talk with Jackie Sermon of Sky Golf, Sky Caddy, as she gives us more info on their new products, including the new SX550 rangefinder that provides views like no other. Then we'll talk with Dr. Bob Jones, sports psychologist, and also the grandson of Bobby Jones, about a couple of events going on at the Atlanta Athletic Club, um, and how he feels that he can help us golfers get into a better mindset before we play and even while we play. And then we'll talk with Matt McCreary, Director of Golf Sales at Big Cedar Lodge in Branson, Missouri. Our first guest this morning, Jackie Sermon of Sky Caddy. Jackie and I talked about Sky Golf's line of new rangefinders. We're in our Masters promo period at the moment, and we've got our $50 off promotion happening, which is on our wonderful handheld GPS, the SX550. That's got a beautiful big five-inch screen, five-and-a-half-inch screen, in fact. Uh, the SX400, which is a four-inch screen, um, both of those uh, have, a, have a touch and feel very much like a smartphone. So the screen is completely interactive. You can move around the, um, uh, the whole view images so that you can zoom in and get lots of data points uh, on the fairways. Um, wonderful, wonderful products. Um, the, those products are, are both used um, quite heavily at the moment and actually this week on the European Seniors Tour. Uh, we have a lot of guys using our products because we can input the pin positions. So pre-tournament, they're getting a pin sheet for the tournament, as, as you would be aware of for any tournament. Sure. And they're able to enter those settings in so that uh, with our patented technology of IntelliGreen, they are getting the front pin and back of green from whichever angle they're coming into the green. And as you can appreciate, you know, if you're coming into a green slightly off angle, which we'll probably watch a few shots this week at the Masters happen, and, you know, you see the caddies having to march up on, a, on an odd angle into the green to get that distance. And that could be over a water hazard, that could be over a bunker, well, with Aaron Talley Green, you know, he can see exactly what his front of green is over that hazard. Um, he can see exactly where the pin is. He can then move that pin setting around so that perhaps, you know, that's a real sucker shot to go for. But he can move that pin around to perhaps a safer place on the green to play a shot into. So uh, we're very excited about those products. They've got a, a lot of great features. Um, you know, to give players a, a good deal of information. They can tune it down for the, the level of information they wish, but it's, it's all there for them to use. Um, we've got two beautiful watches, the, the LX5 and the LX5C with a, a beautiful ceramic bezel on it. Um, they're both on promotion at the moment as well. Real quality watches with, with wonderful information in them, sort of a... a, a, a a smaller version of the information on the SX400 and 500, obviously, to fit onto a, a watch face, but it's, it's the largest watch face in the golf market at the moment. However, it doesn't look cumbersome. It's a very lightweight watch. You can hardly feel that you're wearing it, but 
gives you a beautiful uh, representation of the golf holes and all the information you need to, to play a great round of golf. Well, what is the difference between the LX5 and the LX5C as far as the watches are concerned? Uh, literally, the ceramic bezel, um, just to, to make it, it really does look quite sexy with the ceramic bezel. So it's just a little upgrade in cosmetics. That's, that's really the only difference in those two models. And how thrilled are you for SkyGolf and the products with SkyCaddy that you have that are just, uh, it seems that you're always a step ahead of the others in the same competitive field. Well, it's the thing we do. You know, it's been our focus for 20 years, and it really comes, stems from the, 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 the attitude that we took from the beginning was we want to provide golfers with the best, and most detailed information we can. And that's why we, we, we started 20 years ago walking every golf course to measure it. Now, as you can imagine, over 20 years, that's a, a lot of investment, and that's a sure. lot of time, and that was a lot, a lot of people out there mapping golf courses. Uh, our job now is that, you know, as, as you're aware, there's, there's not many new golf courses being built every right. year, a, a, right. a, a good handful perhaps. But the, the most important thing is keeping that data of those golf courses up to date. And when you do that, then you can create great products that sit on top of it. And we have a CEO who is very visionary with some of the uh, features that we've added over the years. Um, you know, one of the features is in telepath, and that gives you, when you zoom in, will give you a line off the tee, and it will, it will give you a line all the way perhaps through a dog leg so that you can see, you know, if I'm going to take this dog leg on and, and if I overshoot my mark or if I'm a little offline, where is that going to take me? And what's that measurement for me to run out into that bunker or run out a fairway? And they're the kind of, you know, fabulous features that the, the, the pros that we have now using our products really, really enjoy. Well, you know, one of the things you said is there aren't many golf courses being built from scratch, but there are a lot of golf courses being redone, reshaped, updated, so to speak. So when exactly. that happens, you have to go back in and go through all your technology measurements again. Yeah, and, you know, when, when a golf course is making changes, and, and, you know, many people can relate to this, so their golf course may decide to remove bunkers. They, they seldom add more and more bunkers because right. they're very costly to do. Right. But they might remove bunkers. They may change a hazard line. You know, they may extend it. They, they may, at, at some time in, in, the, in the facility's lifetime, they're going to want to redo some greens. They might reshape some greens. They may even, you know, change out a hole and, and redirect uh, the, the, the flow of 1 through 18. We see that happen quite a lot. Right, right. Um, now, it, what we do is, you know, our customers uh, we, we keep in contact with. We have a, a place on our website for our, our customers or anybody to tell us about a course update. But proactively, what we try to do is, with our relationships, is contact golf courses, you know, ahead of uh, of time into the season, so that we can say to them, "Hey, are you looking to make any changes to your course? Because what we want to try and do is schedule that, so that we can make a plan and make a schedule for our guys to revisit right. and and make those adjustments. Right. So sometimes at a golf course, 
you know, if they're removing bunkers and they say to us, well, it's the, it's the first bunker on hole two on the left, that's not difficult for us to remove a bunker. But if, if they're adding, you know, a hazard or, or adding in bunkers or reshaping bunkers around the green, that's important for us to do. So we make a concise list, we talk with them, we get in there, we do the job, and, and you know, we, we update thousands of golf courses a year. Um, that's that's our, our, our ground mapping team as well as our internal team who, who process all of that data, package it up to send it back to our website for our customers to update the, the course on, on their device. Yeah, and one of the things that I was reading, some of the research that I got was the IntelliGreen technology, and this is going to be important to a lot of people that are listening. It will include avoiding three putts. Now, is that a promise? Because if it is, I guarantee you're going to sell out of this product. Well, you know, we can give you yardage and we can give you information, but um, actually <laughs> promising to give you any golf talent is, is a little stretch. But... You know, using the IntelliGreen, as I was saying before, if, 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 if the pin is tucked in behind a hazard, you're coming in from a difficult direction, a, a difficult angle, then, you know, you can use the IntelliGreen to, to move, move the crosshair around on the green and pick yourself a, a safer place. Right. And, and we're going to see that all this week at the Masters. And, and it's, it's probably the most frustrating thing to us is that, you know, everybody has their choice of rangefinders, and a lot of people want the information directly to the pin. Right. They think that the flag right. is the target. Now, right. if we watch the caddies and the players this week at the Masters, you will see it time and time and time again where they are saying to them, okay, you want to be, you know, six foot left of the pin short. You want to be six foot past the pin long. They're picking a zone. They're picking a place right. for the green to be, right. not the pin. Because, you know, the Masters is a perfect example of some greens that will, will absolutely destroy you um, trying, to, trying to go for the pin, and, and it's spinning back, you know, or, 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 or popping past there, you know, off the green. So if, if, if golfers really watch what, what they're talking about when they're hitting into a green, it's, it's, a, it's a zone. It's an area. Right. Where can I hit to so that I'm not three-putting? Right. Give myself the best chance of two-putting. Yeah, I wish, uh, I wish I had that game on every shot. Every now and then it works, but not always. Um, Jackie, thank you for being with us. Give us the website before we leave. Skygolf.com. Easy enough. Jackie, thank you for being with us on the Back Nine Boys Golf Show. Pleasure, Rich. Thanks so much. That is Jackie Sermon of Sky Golf. And uh, talking about their new rangefinders, uh, go to skygolf.com dot com to find out more our next guest is dr bob jones sports psychologist and grandson of the great bobby jones we're going to talk to him in just a minute cj's pizza on mallory street across from parker's on st simon's island is the island's oldest italian eatery maybe that's because those who've experienced cj's one-of-a-kind taste nothing else will do thin crust signature deep dish crust made daily by hand Famous hoagies, meatballs, homemade salad dressings, it's all there. All you got to do is go up and check on their menu at cjsitalianrestaurant.com. Stop by for the best deep dish in the South. Come in, sit down, or call in your order. They'll bring it right out to you. They've got birthday parties you can do for your kids. Everything's made from scratch. Graham and Ada do a wonderful, wonderful 
business. They're just great people to work with, and they also have a Southern Soul barbecue pizza that is incredible. Check out the menu at cjsitalianrestaurant.com. Hey, this is James Loggins. I'm the caddy master here at Sea Island, and you're listening to Rich Styles and the Back Nine Boys Golf Show. And welcome back. Our next guest is Dr. Bob Jones, grandson of Bobby Jones, but more importantly, a sports psychologist. And we want to talk a little bit about how we can help all of us do that. And I know you're driving, but uh, how are you doing this morning, Dr. Bob? Oh, I'm doing great, Rich. It's really fantastic to be with you again. It's been too long, so we're going to have to try to schedule some more. But uh, let's talk a little bit about what we were uh, discussing earlier about the exciting stuff going on at the Atlanta Athletic Club. Oh, we are so thrilled, Rich. We are so thrilled. The United States Golf Association announced this week that the Atlanta Athletic Club is holding the trifecta of uh, amateur golf in 2025. We will have us. We will hold the uh, United States Girls Junior, and then in 2030, we will hold the United States Amateur, which will celebrate wow. the uh, final uh, jewel in the crown of the Grand Slam. It'll be the hundredth anniversary of my grandfather's winning the U.S. Amateur to complete the Grand Slam in 1930, and that'll come up in 2030. And then in 2035, the Athletic Club will be hosting the U.S. Women's Amateur. So we really are uh, we really are continuing our tradition, as we like to call it, of being a host to history. And what does that do, Dr. Bob, for the Atlanta Athletic Club? I mean, it's a great course, you know, great group, great organization. But what does that do? Does that give you more recognition or just does that solidify the reputation that you already have? Well, you know, it's funny. I, I think the way we look at it is a little bit different, Rich. I, I, don't, look, I don't think we look at it so much as what it does for us as in more in terms of what does it allow us to do for the game. You know, the Athletic Club has always been committed to major championship golf, not so much to raise our own prestige, but to show our, uh, our real desire to give back to the game. Because as we all know, the game is bigger than any one of us, either individually or as a club or even as an organization. And so things like this are just an opportunity for us to continue our mission. Well, I know that you are very involved in what's going on. Amateur golf is special to your heart, and obviously for that. Um, how much do you think amateur golf has improved over the last 5, 10, 15 years? Well, I think, I think the quality of play is certainly as high as it's ever been, although, although you could make an argument that really back in the 40s and 50s, when there were, you know, regular amateurs that, that could have competed on the PGA Tour of the time, that that was a good one. But, but I mean, I do think that amateur golf has, uh, has uh, the quality of play is good. The, the, the way that amateur golf has really made some growth, though, is that it has expanded out to include a much larger percentage of the right. population. Right. And you're seeing people become involved in the game now that maybe 20, 30, 40 years ago might not ever have become involved or may have done so when they were much older in life. So I think the biggest contribution that amateur golf is making to the game now is, uh, is sort of widening the net, so it, okay. uh, as it were, to include more people. All right. We had a discussion. I was on a... a a media trip last week in Branson, Missouri. Um, and one of the questions at the table was, who do you think is the greatest golfer of all time? 
Obviously, big discussion. Nicholas came up, Palmer came up, Tiger came up, but so did your grandfather. Well, you know, I've always followed my grandfather's lead on that one and uh, basically avoided answering the question. (laughs) As my grandfather used to say, I think so well, he he said two things that are really important. He said, you know, all you can do at any given time is beat the people who are around when you are around. And he always believed that what it took to be a champion in one era uh, is what it took to be a champion in any era. So, And I would stick with that. But the other thing he said that I think was equally as profound is he said that, you know, if you shoot lower than everybody else and you don't cheat, they pretty much have to give you the trophy. Yeah. And I, I think... Yeah. I think there's some truth to that. However, in my grandfather's defense, I, 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 in that uh, argument, I will add one little thing. Remember that he did what he did with golf clubs that were a little bit more than walking sticks and golf balls that traveled 100 yards less than the ones we do today. And with that equipment, he was routinely hitting shots out there about 275 to 290 yards or more if he needed it. Can you imagine if he was able, and if you turn back time, what he would be able to do, which a lot of people like to, you know, go through this scenario with the equipment and the golf ball that we have now? Well, you know, again, that's sort of hard to determine because remember, the the game of golf back then was much more of a feel game uh, than it is today. Right. So you had equipment that had a lot more torque in it. The ball uh, spun more. Um, and you know now you nowadays with the equipment and the golf ball that we have, and with the way golf courses are manicured, you know you can just get up there and just blast it. Yeah. And uh, if you tried blasting it, well, even in Nicholas's era, you might end up hitting an 80-yard slice. Yeah. Exactly. So, exactly. Well, it's a little different. Yeah. A little different. Yeah. It was, uh, it was amazing what he did when he did it, and it's amazing what a lot of guys are doing now based on what they have. But here's the other question. One of the guys was very adamant about saying that he thinks Bobby Jones, based on everything at that time and everything that's going on now, was the greatest golfer of all time because of what he accomplished. Well, you know, I'll tell you what. Uh, there is a... There is a rather decent golfer named Gary Player that would agree with him. Really? And okay. Gary Player, and in fact, Gary even changed my mind about something. Uh, I had a conversation with him years ago, shortly after Tiger completed the uh, what they call the Tiger Slam, and I said to Gary, I said, you know, that's a pretty remarkable accomplishment. And he said to me, he said, oh, it's a fine accomplishment, and, and I can't even imitate his accent. <laughs> it's a fine accomplishment, he said, but he said, your grandfather's was much better. And I said, well, they all have four in a row. He said, well, now, wait a minute. And Gary said, if you batted 400 from the all-star break to the end of the season one year, and then came out the next season and batted 400 from opening day to the all-star break, would you say that you'd batted 400 for a season? And I said, well, of course not. He said, same thing here. Wow. Same thing here. Wow. He said, it has to be in a calendar year within one season, or it isn't the same. And 
you know, and it's it's funny. I mean, it totally changed my perspective on that. Yeah, it it really does. Interesting way to look at it. But Gary has always looked at things very interestingly. Oh. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. <laughs> All right. Let's talk about your sports psychology view of us as amateur golfers. I know one of the things that you told me a long time ago when you and I first met was, what do you think golfers come into you for? And you said something about not exceeding expectations or unrealistic expectations is what you said. Right. Is that still the case? That's actually quite. That's actually quite accurate. And and by that, let me just do a quick, ten second rehash on what I meant by that. That is, for example, a golfer will always tend to say, like, you ask a golfer, how far do you hit your average drive? And the golfer will always make his average drive somewhere at about the 80th percentile of what he can actually do, right? Okay. Uh, and and they'll do that all the way down throughout the bag. And so they have very unrealistic expectations for how they hit, how they can hit the ball, how they can actually, which then affects how they plan their shots. So that's, yes, I did say that. But if I may take that one step farther, the reason unrealistic expectations are, I think, bad is because they contribute to, to perhaps the worst enemy that the average golfer has to face, and that is tension. Tension is the absolute angel of death for the golf swing. Yeah. Because all it takes is just a little bit of tension to build into the body and your shoulder turn is off, your rhythm is off, everything that you do uh, with, the gol- with the golf club uh, is now totally off balance. And uh, I can give a quick solution to that. Okay. One is that if people want to reduce tension very, very quickly, then one of the things that I think they really need to do is they need to learn how to properly control their breathing. But Hmm. the other thing that they need to do is pay very close attention to the smile muscles around their mouth because tension enters the body through those teeny tiny little muscles around the mouth and as they tense up, then that tension spreads down through the neck and down through the shoulders. And then the next thing you know, it's all through the body. So while you're going through this horrible round and you're tense, we need to smile more? Is that what you're saying? Absolutely. Wow. Absolutely. Okay. I want to see a person who does that a lot. Uh, a person who does that a lot is go look on the LPGA Tour, which, by the way, is where a lot of people could learn more about playing the game anyway. I totally agree uh, with you on that. Yeah, I go to the LPGA Tour and watch Aria Jutanagarn. Yeah. Oh, yeah, and yeah. You'll see before she hits any shot, she has just a nice smile. Yeah. And when you, um, when you, do, make that, uh, when you do make that smile, it does a lot of nifty little things, not just in terms of relaxation, but it also introduces a lot of nice stuff in your brain chemistry that helps you kind of calm down. Yeah, I play oh. with a lot of guys who I think are smiling, but I think also it may be a situation where um, they're having gas issues. But anyway, uh, <laughs> which happens a lot on the golf course. Anyway, uh, all right, so another question. So when you, when you said the one thing was tension, I thought you were going to say realism. 
as far as what's causing these golfers to to play horrible is that they can't accept realism. Oh, well, I think that goes back to expectation. But exactly. yes, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. You know, for example, you get a guy, well, you know, it's like this. I, I'm going to be 65 in about another month, another couple of months. And, you know, it would be very easy for me to plan my golf bag and plan the way I approach a round of golf in the same way that I did when I was 21 or 22. And I hit the ball a lot farther than I do now. I could do that, and I would have an extremely horrible day on the golf course. But instead, if I can just say to myself, okay, wait a minute, I don't hit the ball 275, 280 anymore. Right. I hit it more like somewhere between 200 and uh, about, two, about 210. Yeah, okay. I really crank it, I can get it out there 230. Right. Right? Downhill. I plan that accordingly then I think I have a much better chance of having an enjoyable round with what I have today. And by that realism, I also mean you have to plan your equipment accordingly. Like, I don't carry an iron, any iron that's higher than a 7-iron. Hmm. And I've got a 7, 8, 9, and then my wedges. Right. Why is that? Well, because I can't generate the speed and the spin anymore right. to get the kind of loft on a 6-iron and up that I that that I used to. Yeah. So why carry it? Yeah, it's changed my game, and I do the same thing. Except I don't even carry a seven. I carry an eight, nine, and then my wedges. So it's just a a difference of just letting your ego go and making better choices for your game on how you are today. Yep. There's an old saying that ego stands for easing God out. Yes, exactly uh, right. And I'm sure there's a golf analogy in there somewhere. Yeah, that would be E G G O, edging golf yeah. God out. There you go. <laughs> Dr. Bob, thank you for being on with us. Always a pleasure. We will talk very soon again. Have a great day. Thank you, my friend. You too. All right. Dr. Bob Jones, grandson of Bobby Jones, also a sports psychologist. Remember that word, tension and smile. I'm smiling at this point. Are you looking for new clubs? That'll make you smile. Try the new Mizuno Irons, 922-923, and the 925s to improve your game. These new Mizuno Irons help you reach beyond. And then look at the new Mizuno driver, their fairway metals, their hybrids. I mean, they're really good. And they're on the way to help you improve your game, improve your score. And also take a look at the new models of the Mizuno putters. They've got a mallet. They've got a blade. And check it all out on MizunoGolf.com. Mizuno Golf, reach beyond. Hi, this is Jim Nugent, publisher of Global Golf Post. And you are listening to the Back Nine Boys Golf Show. And welcome back. I'm Rich Stiles, and we just came back yesterday from a unbelievable trip to Branson, Missouri. And on the phone with us is Matt McCrory, the director of golf sales and marketing at Big Cedar Golf. Good morning, Matt. How are you? Morning, Rich. How are you? I'm wonderful. Did you survive our our trip from last week? Oh yeah, it was a lot of fun. Glad <laughs> you guys came down, and and we we had a good time. Well, I want to talk about the offerings that you have there, but, but first, and, and, and each of the golf courses, but first you're located deep into the Ozark mountains, big Cedar lodge, big Cedar golf. Tell us a little bit about it. Yeah. So as you mentioned, we are located in the heart of the Ozark mountains. We are a uh, family oriented resort that was opened by Bass Pro Shops founder, Johnny Morris. Uh, the, the resort kind of started as a lake retreat on the shores of Table Rock Lake, but over the last decade has built some, some world-class golf courses. Um, so it's really grown from there and, and really created kind of a middle-of-the-country destination for 
for golfers uh, to want to try something new with some some brand new courses. And one of the things that I liked about the information and what you and I kind of talked about with with all of our uh, group was that Johnny really likes people to be outdoors and enjoying what the outdoors and the beauty and the nature has to offer. Yeah, exactly. He had obviously started Bass Pro Shops with with the mind of just getting people to to enjoy nature, and, and he himself is, is a pretty noted conservationist, and really I think his, his life goal is just seeing people get outside and, and enjoy nature, and, and golf is another avenue for that. So obviously we've got the lake, and we've got hiking trails and nature preserves, and, and, and golfing is just another way for friends and, and family to, to, to get out and enjoy the outdoors. All right, well, let's talk about the golf courses. The first one that we played last week was Payne's Valley, uh, the first public course done by Tiger Woods. Correct. That's our, our newest course. It opened in, in uh, fall of 2000 with the, the famous Payne's Valley Club Cup that people might have seen on TV. Um, it is actually a unique 19-hole design. It's a, a standard 18-hole layout plus a bonus 19th hole. And that 19th hole is, is not like any other hole you've probably seen. Uh, it's an island par 3 set against a 300-foot limestone cliff with waterfalls, water features. Uh, it's, it's pretty, pretty amazing over the top. And the course itself is really player-friendly. Um, it's wide off the tee, so it's a pretty wide fairways. Feel safe hitting driver on, on almost every par 4 and 5, um, and some, some gettable par 4s at that. Uh, but the greens are where the course kind of gets interesting. Lots of undulation, um, lots of breaks. So, so people that are trying to play well and score are going to have to have their short game dialed in to make sure they, they make a putt. But other than that, it's a, it's a great layout just for, for anyone to play as, as wide open as it is. Yeah, one of the things that you and I talked about during the trip was that Tiger did make, uh, of course, this was also during you know uh, a time when he was kind of injured and stuff, but he made a lot of visits to the property. <clears throat> yeah, he would would fly in and then he was pretty uh pretty stout on on how the course played he had a very visual approach to it he would he would fly in and and they do a couple course walks and he would would be on the t-box and be able to kind of say you know what we need to move this bunker to the other side with this with this sort of wind if this is the prevailing wind and they were able to play with the course that way so he was he was pretty involved um boots on the ground several times and one of the things that, you know, you get at Payne's Valley, uh, people say, well, you played Payne's Valley, they probably skip over what you scored, and they ask, how'd you do on the 19th hole? Yeah, it's, it's usually where everyone kind of uh, uh, is the biggest talking point is the 19th hole. It's where all the bets are settled for sure. Usually that's where <laughs> guys decide who's paying for dinner, who's buying drinks at the bars on the 19th hole. Um, and we also have a little bonus gift for anyone that, that hits holes in one there. So they, they're getting a $1,000 gift card uh, to Bass Pro Shops, so, plus some more uh, goodies to take away. So it adds some pressure to the to the hole. How many hole-in-ones have there been? We're just about at a dozen. Um, we've, we've got a camera down there that watches so we can record the players when they when they hit the hole-in-one, and, and uh, uh, it's it's a good time. And it's a pretty unique uh, golf cart ride just to get there and then to get from there back to the clubhouse. Yeah, so when you're playing the hole, you're at, like I said, the base of that 300-foot foot cliff, and the clubhouse is directly on top of it. So to get back up, you are snaking back and forth um, across this cliffside, going in caves around water features. Uh, it's about a good 10 to 15-minute drive back to the top, and it gives you spectacular views of the course as you're on the way up. So it's it's quite a, a capstone to the round. Yeah, uh, the lot of views uh, that were spectacular when we were there. Let's talk a little bit about Ozark National. 
Yeah, Ozarks Nationals are our second newest course. It was built by uh, Bill Core and Ben Crenshaw. It opened in 2019. It is a great compliment to Payne's Valley because it's so different. Where Payne's Valley is wide off the tee, um, Ozarks National is going to challenge you a little more with some choke points. And, and you don't necessarily have to hit driver. There's a lot of open landing space in the fairways. But the further you hit the ball, it kind of challenges you to, to hit, hit a target line and then keep the ball in play. Um, the course is also very walkable. Um, it plays along these ridge tops, so you're at one of the highest points in the Ozark Mountains, um, playing across this ridge, basically out on fingers of a ridge and back. So you have these 20-mile views in all directions. Um, it's a really spectacular course to walk and play, and we've hosted um, the Champions Tour event there as well. And the 400-foot wooden beam bridge that's there, um, an incredible structure. Yeah, there is one get-over. So you usually play on these, these fingers, these ridges out and back. There's one spot where they had to get you across this large canyon with a creek underneath it, and there's actually this 300-foot uh, bridge uh, built by an Amish family in the area, and it's a pretty, uh, pretty unique feature to the course. I saw a lot of unique features, especially where I was hitting the ball, but uh, that's, that's a whole other story. All right, let's talk about Buffalo Ridge. Yeah, Buffalo Ridge is a Tom Fazio design, uh, kind of a good meld of our, our two newer courses. Um, as, as you know, Tom Fazio likes to do really, really beautiful courses, flashy bunkering, and, and really cool green complexes. And, and when he built this course with Johnny, they kind of took into account a lot of uh, nature um, into the holes, into the surroundings. So there's, there's several streams and ponds and creeks and waterfalls that run all along the course. Uh, there's caves, there's, there's limestone rock features, and there's even actually live North American bison roaming around the property. So several spots that you're playing, um, it's, it's pretty easy to spot a family of bison, whether it be uh, our, our great white bison, which is roaming out there, or, or a couple of babies uh, kicking around with their parents as well. So it's a, it's a great um, nature course uh, is what we like to call it. Yeah, and Tom, you know, whenever he builds a course, he does challenge you in a lot of different departments, and one of those are where he puts the sand traps. Yeah, there's a lot of uh, fairway bunkers that can, that can catch your ball and, and put you in a tough spot. And same with the, the green sides. There's a lot of spots where, you know, you want to play it to the left side of this green and, and not even worry about taking on those green side bunkers just to, to give yourself an easier par rather than uh, taking it on and, and trying to get that birdie. Yeah, always try and get it over. I always try and go short. So that works better for me anyway. All right, but you talked about the free-range buffalo, but what I was super impressed with, not only that, that we got real close to him, but also there's a white buffalo there that you don't see very often. Yeah, there is. Uh, we actually have two on property. So they are, are, are from Yellowstone. Um, hmm. One has always over at Dogwood Canyon, which is our 10,000 acre nature preserve. Um, huge herds of buffalo roaming there. And the other they actually brought down to Buffalo Ridge for us. So we've got a, a white buffalo in the herd on the hillsides roaming around Buffalo Ridge as well. All right. Tell our viewers about the comfort stations that are very strategically placed along the golf courses. Yeah, so all of our 18-hole golf courses have complimentary comfort stations. So when you walk inside, all your hot dogs, snacks, everything's grab-and-go and, and free to our golfers. Um, obviously, any alcohol is, is being paid for just because that could get out of hand, hand with some golfers. Uh, but the unique offering inside those comfort stations <clears throat> excuse me, is our bison hot dogs. Oh. So at, at Dogwood Canyon, we actually have 
a uh, bison farm and, and, and uh, production um, area. So we, we are able to make our own bison hot dogs, which are offered free to golfers on the course. And they've been a, a big hit there and kind of a staple of, of Big Cedar Golf's uh, snack shacks. Yeah, and you kind of breezed over it, but if you didn't hear this, it's complimentary. So everything except the liquor and some of the drinks, but it's all complimentary. I mean, it was, it just blew my mind. It was great. Yeah, it's a great offering. You, you kind of see that a lot with the um, all-inclusive resort offerings in, in Mexico. And, and Johnny wanted to kind of have that same sort of experience when you're there. When you walk in the turn station, it's not a line to pay. It's, hey, what, can I get you a hot dog? Ice creams, grab and go. There's snacks, nuts, chips, anything you need. Um, just kind of makes it a really nice service experience and, and just kind of a bonus for golfers, really. Yeah, customer service at your place was just fantastic. And Matt, we got to do a customer service for our own. We got to take a quick break. We'll be back with Matt McCreary from Big Cedar Golf right after this on the Back Nine Boys Golf Show. Hey, everybody, this is John Bell from Widespread Panic, and you are rocking with the Back Nine Boys Golf Show. And we are rocking back talking about limestone rocks and uh, cliffs with uh, Matt McCreary, the director of golf sales at Big Cedar Golf. Matt, Let's talk about the other two golf courses. Uh, one of my favorites uh, was Top of the Rock. Just a great design. Yes, yeah, so we actually have two par three courses, um, and both of them are, are very unique in their own style. Uh, the first one is, is Top of the Rock. Um, I kind of like to describe it as a, as a mini Augusta par three. Huh. Um, but none of our par threes are pitch and putts. A lot of people assume, you know, you've got a par three course. I'll just take a couple wedges and a putter, and I'll be good. Right. Um, but all of our all of our par threes, you're you're going to need your full bat, except maybe driver and three wood. Um, par three, uh, sorry, top of the rock is a, a par three designed by Jack Nicklaus. It sits kind of high above uh, Table Rock Lake, so while you're playing, you have these great views of the lake. Um, but the course itself is is kind of a mini botanical garden. Um, there's several lakes and ponds and streams and, and manicured shrubbery and, and greenery and, and flowers. And then there's actually a couple holes that, that have some pretty unique water features, including a, a true island green, one that's completely surrounded by water with just a bridge that, that goes across. Um, but a really, really great course. And, and with the first par three course to actually um, host a, a professional event, which was on the Champions Tour. Um, the first one was in 2014, which was the Bass Pro Shops uh, Legends of Golf. And how did that go? How did the uh, pros think, and how did they play it? So it was a pretty unique event. It was a two-man team event, and obviously it was on a par three course. So it was a it was a completely different setup. But a lot of the guys liked it. I mean, because of one, the format, so they got to play a buddy with a buddy and, and kind of have some fun out there. But also, being in the area, a lot of those guys are fishermen, so they would uh, they would play golf and go fishing in the evenings. But when they played the event, they would do um, three days um, each. Each player would play uh, two rounds of 18 at the par three course. So they'd play basically two two rounds um, a day on on top of the rock. Another day they'd play Buffalo Ridge, and then on the final day everyone would play top of the rock. Uh, they'd alternate between best ball, between um, okay. alternate shot. Uh, it was just a really unique event, kind of like the their classic on the uh, PGA Tour. Yeah, well, tell us about Arnie's barn. I thought that was just, I mean, mouth, I mean. Great food, great place to go, but tell us about that. Yeah, so Arnie's Barn is a, uh, um, a lunch spot directly above the Top of the Rock Pro Shop, and the name is, is pretty true to, to, true to self. Um, it is actually a barn that was from Arnold's property in Latrobe, Pennsylvania. 
So Johnny had met met Arnold over the years, and and eventually offered to buy this barn from from his property. And a group of uh, Mennonite family brought it over piece by piece, um, and reconstructed it on our property. Um, so inside this giant barn, there's there's lofts and and the original um, hundreds of year old wood beams um, that make up this this barn named after Arnie, and it's full of really cool golf memorabilia from from the big three with Jack, Gary, and Arnold. Um, so a lot of Masters memorabilia and some pretty good views of, of the lake and the golf course as well. Well, as you mentioned, Gary Player, let's talk about Mountaintop. Yeah, so our other part three course is Mountaintop. Um, it is a walking-only 13-hole design, and um, being that Gary Player is obviously, as everyone knows, a big fitness buff, and, and Johnny's mission of getting people to enjoy the outdoors um, it was kind of a perfect marriage to have it be a, a walking-only course. Um, it's under two miles. It's pretty flat. It's sort of like Ozarks National in the sense you, you're playing at one of the highest points, and you really don't go down or up into the, the valley any, so you've got these great views and, and a pretty easy walk. Um, but the difference between Top of the Rock and Mountaintop, at, at Top of the Rock, it's a lot of forced carries, a lot of water in play. Um, definitely have to get the ball in air, whereas Mountaintop is a pretty open playing area. Um, it's all zoysia grass with some native areas uh, blended in, but there's no forced carries. So we've had junior tournaments there for, for kids as young as seven just because they're able to skip the ball there. They don't have to worry about getting the ball in the air. But the holes are challenging enough that you know they're up to over 200 yards in some places from the back tees. So as I said, it is not a pitching putt, and the greens there have a lot of amazing movement and swells. So it's more of a kind of a short game putting course. Um, when it comes down to uh, to scoring there, um, but really good complements to each other. Where one, as I said, is four yeah. series, the other's open area, but but more intense greens. But both of them have great views and are great spots to play those sunset rounds at the end of the day. Yeah, it was a a great way to end our day, um, end our trip. But it was fantastic. Tell us about lodging at Big Cedar. There is a lot of lodging. We've got we've got over three hundred rooms with with it's hard to even count the uh, the styles of accommodation. We have several lodges that are um, king and queen rooms, so you could come with a uh, with a couple or, or double occupancy for a butter buddy. We've got lakeside cabins and cottages. We've got golf cottages. We've got um, specialty um, accommodations that are more like uh, you know eight bedroom kind of mansions and villas. Um, so there is something for everyone, and, and at the golf course, there's uh, our brand new um, Paynes Valley cottages, which sit right along Paynes Valley. They come in one bedroom, two bedroom, or four bedroom. You stay right on the course. Awesome. You have the best views, and if you're staying in the four bedroom units, you actually have your own private putting green. So something wow. to add to the, the trip even more in the evenings to come back to the room and, and putt around with your buddies before you go to bed. Matt, give us the website. We've got about thirty seconds. You go to BigCedar.com, and we'll have all the information you need there. And you guys do a great job of merchandising, merchandiser of the year. I mean, congratulations. Matt, thank you for your hospitality, and thanks for uh, doing the interview this morning. Absolutely. Thank you. Hopefully you come back soon. Uh, we will be. Matt McCreary, Big Cedar Lodge and Golf. Uh, go to BigCedarGolf.com. Check it out, and uh, it's just an incredible place. It was the first time I'd been there, and it's definitely something that would be on my bucket list. And it'll be on my list again of places that I'd like to go back to. So thank you very much for being with us. This is the Back Nine Boys Golf Show, heard every Saturday and Sunday right here on ESPNCoastal.com. Check us out. listening to the Back Nine Boys Golf Show with Rick Stiles. Go to BackNineBoys.com for all things golf whenever you want it. We'll be back next week with an all-new Back Nine Boys at BackNineBoys.com.